right. Well, welcome to On Point for the month of October. Uh, today, we are talking about cultivating creative partnerships and what that means, what that looks like, uh, what the implications are for mission and so on. And I've invited a few uh, friends to hang out with us and talk about it. And uh, before I introduce them, I just want to invite everyone to go over to iTunes or Stitcher, whatever podcast uh, service you use. Uh, subscribe. Give us a rating. If you give us five stars, we're going to read your review um, here live. And you can write whatever you want. You know, you can write that on point is the biggest pile of trash you've ever heard. We'll read it on the air. <laughs> you know, you can tell me that I need to shave my beard, which is probably true. Um, but if you give us a five stars, we'll read it. We'll read it out loud and that, that'll be interesting. So uh, let me do some quick introductions. I'm sure many people will already know April Foster, uh, who works with us here in the Mission and Culture Department. She's the director for Others uh, Trade for Hope program, which if you don't know, uh, partners with uh, producers from locations around the world to produce goods that create an employment uh, for people who have kind of limited opportunities and that sort of thing. So, and, uh, and you lived in Kenya for quite a while, didn't you? Yeah. Okay, but we have her now. So, <laughs> um, the legendary John Berglund is currently the emergency services director for the uh, Western Territory. And uh, full disclosure, he's a former supervisor of mine when I worked uh, in the emergency services department there uh, in Greater New York. And we had, um, we had some good times there. Uh, we had a really good team. Yeah, we went through Hurricane Sandy together. <laughs> it was a real blast. <laughs> um, no, actually, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of fun for me. And it was, in fact, it was <laughs> that I decided I never really want to have again. Uh, at least the response phase, it's a little rough. Um, recovery is kind of fun. But yeah, anyway, I'm not doing that kind of work anymore, but I did learn a lot uh, from John during that time. And um, as I recall, building, building partnerships of various uh, kinds is a strength of his. So um, we're glad that John's with us. And we have another John with us today, which is poor planning on our part. But uh, John Temple, <laughs> he's currently the CEO for Guideposts Magazine. I have one right here. This is what it looks like. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's right in your hand. Like I said, you're the CEO. Do you want to tell our listeners what Guideposts is all about? Do you want to give a plug? Sure, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, yep. And thank you for having me. Um, so Guidepost, as I said, is a 73-year-old nonprofit faith-based organization um, that was founded by Dr. and uh, Mrs. Norman Vincent Peale, who was the author of The Power of Positive Thinking. Um, and so when they, they founded that, uh, originally started as, as just a magazine, um, but they really wanted to help tell inspiring stories of people overcoming through hope, faith, and prayer. Um, and so for the next 73 years, uh, we as an organization have, have grown um, and told tens of thousands of people's stories uh, from overcoming addiction uh, to uh, dealing with post-traumatic stress with, to just dealing with uh, the basics of, of life and, and, and how we get through uh, by turning to God and by connecting to one another. Um, and so today uh, we have uh, 11 magazines. Uh, we do about 35 books a year, um, have uh, significant uh, followers on social media and online, um, and we reach uh, a little over 7 million people every year. 
uh, again with the with the the goal of helping people to love more and hate less and do good in the world. Uh, so I'm just mm. thankful to be here, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the great partnership that uh, April has helped forge uh, with Salvation Army's other trades for hope. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you here. Really appreciate it. I like that. Love more, hate less. I'll make a good uh, t-shirt. I don't know if you guys are going to do the t-shirt. <laughs> We're going to hire you for our yeah. merchandising. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just listen to you talk and then I'll just pull out the nuggets and we'll put on t-shirts. <laughs> um, also, hmm. Gordon, Gordon Sparks is with us, who's currently the mission alignment uh, liaison in greater New York, which is... Um, what is is that a CRD function, Gordon? No, actually, I um, I was in social services, and now I'm just I'm in administration. So I'm I'm working interdepartmental, and in, and and therefore I'm under the under uh, supervision of the administration department. Gotcha. Yeah, Gordon's calling in, so we don't have the privilege of seeing his his face, but um, he's the voice voice from beyond, and um, he'll he'll, <laughs> pop, he'll pop in where wherever he can. And Gordon's had a lot of experience um, developing partnerships of one kind or another. Uh, over the years and in different contexts. And um, you were a core officer uh, for a while, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I was an officer for 15 years. And for part of that time, well, I was a core officer before becoming an officer, or, or rather, a, you know, pastor at a local Salvation Army location prior to going to training and then was a core officer for a while and then also worked at the school for officer training. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And that, that helps to kind of speak into the context of the, uh, the primary audience that we're speaking to, which is a lot of, you know, it's local leadership. Um, so mm-hmm. that experience, that experience is, is, is great. So um, there's different ways of, of diving into this topic, many different kind of points of entry that we might take. But broadly speaking, when we're talking about partnerships, uh, creativity within those partnerships and, and these kinds of things, I think there are any number of examples that we might draw on. Um, different different metaphors, but also actual situations, you know, like fa- uh, family, sports, uh, theater, theology, and so on. And we can draw on whatever resources that we think might be useful for our discussion. But I want to try to, to whatever extent it's possible, kind of focus in and situate our conversation primarily uh, in the nonprofit world, which is where we find ourselves anyway. So that shouldn't be too hard. But um, but especially trying to keep in mind or bring to the front like examples from your own experience, local and community-based approaches um, that I think are going to be most relevant for our leaders uh, at the local core. Um, and each of us here have a ton of experiences to draw on when it comes from this topic. We're all seasoned in our own way, and maybe some are more seasoned than others. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can just start with some uh, uh, maybe a general question, and, and anyone can jump in here. Why bother pursuing or or entering into uh, partnerships? Like, what are some of the b- possible benefits in developing and and cultivating partnerships? I'm in the world of emergency management, so partnerships, whether it be all sector partnerships, whether it be with government, whether it be with NGOs, whether it be for-profit sector, are absolutely vital because we're only as strong as our capacity. And the reality is, uh, in today's world, we can't do it alone. Uh, there's also different expertise uh, in different different areas of emergency management where we need to partner to get those resources. So I would say partnerships are absolutely vital uh, for us, um, and we're only as strong as our resources. Um, and that includes all sectors. So it's, it's for us, you know, often, often we're asked, you know, if there's not an incident, what are we doing? 
uh, year round. And actually we're forming partnerships in all sectors and we're building capacity that way with the partnerships. So for us in emergency services, it's absolutely fine. Partnerships are the only way we can get the work done. When when you, you asked that question, I kind of went to, my first thought was, um, we use this word partnership a lot and it's thrown around, you know, a lot in our society and culture today. So even for me, when I was, per, you know, thinking about this conversation, um, even understanding what we mean um, when we say partnership, I think is important to, to define because that will determine um, kind of what, what those connections actually become. Uh, and when I'm thinking about, you know, people at our core and community, local church and community level, a partnership for me is, um, is a connection with someone else. And that could even be as simple as, you know, a volunteers who might get involved mm. in, in your local church, all the way up to government and bigger, you know, kind of organizational partnerships. But maybe a starting point for me is always a relationship connection um, that will then lay the foundation for what that partnership, whatever that is, actually looks like. And I think in the absence of that relationship, I wouldn't call it a partnership. Um, and so getting to know and understand each other, um, whether that's at a personal level, if it's someone coming to volunteer at your core or at an organizational level, I think um, is a really important starting starting point. And sometimes I think when we don't lay that foundation, then things go awry and we wonder, you know, why are we dissatisfied or not really getting out of this what we want? And, and we don't have the foundation of that relationship to really build on. So I kind of, uh, in my mind, I was always starting there uh, in terms of even what partnerships mean and, and how you begin them at whatever level that might be. And to, to echo that, April, I think one of the uh, one of the, the my beliefs is that good people working together uh, can accomplish more than any one of them working alone. Mm -hmm. And so, really, starting to your point uh, with um, a, a great inspirational writer who's very connected to Guidepost, uh, Ken Blanchard, always says that it's it's essence versus form. So if we're trying to enter into a partnership. We can talk about, okay, well, how do you do, you know, what is what are the mechanics of it? How are we going to get A to B? How are we going to do those kind of things? But, you know, to your point, April, if you can connect that essence first, what is motivating you to, to, to do what you're doing? Why are you, uh, you know, who are we as people who have both been drawn to this service? Uh, if you connect there, all of the form will come from that. And I think that's really crucial in partnership building. Yeah. When I hear you say that, I hear you saying, and maybe another way of saying that is placing the why before the how. Yeah. Right. Cause sometimes we, we often, very often, I think we, we end up putting the cart before the horse. Mm. Um, maybe opportunities come across, um, come our way and then we, we get excited about it and, you know, we jump, we move directly into the how, how can we make that happen? Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but one of the things I hear you saying, each of you saying in different ways and, and this has been my experience too, is that, you know, at the basic, at the most basic level, a partnership is, is about, is a relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily just a one between entities where, 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 where sort of agency is dispersed, like, like a church or a company or, or an affiliation group or whatever, but like between particular people, uh, specific people, and that the kind of partnerships we're talking about are only ever as strong as 
the personal connections that make those relationships up. And, and so I think there are some things that I think we can probably point to that will be common to just about any healthy or mutually beneficial relationship that we might talk about. Um, so I'm curious about, uh, to your way of thinking and your experience, what are the most important things to keep in mind when either um, kind of developing a relationship, cultivating one, or, or entering into one for the first time? Like what are some of the, what are the important questions that should be considered? What are some of those whys? Okay, for us, um, and we, uh, we develop and, and maintain relationships, like I said, in, in all sectors. So um, it really is personal one-on-one -on -one relationships, in my opinion. Um, and they have to be maintained 365 days a year. So, um, for example, in government partnerships, um, we're helping them do their job. So we actually bring um, a, a huge benefit. Um, the flip side of that is we have to deliver um, to help them do mm -hmm. that. Um, when we enter into the world of NGOs, it's usually shared mission. Um, it's with the intent of, of how, do we, how do we provide as much aid to survivors as possible? And if we work together, can we do that in a, in a better way? Uh, in the for-profit world, then we have to look at co-branding. We have to look at that a little bit in the NGO world as well. But in the for-profit world, um, there is a little heavier lift. Uh, even though the, the labor and the resources can be uh, substantial, but then we have to enter into the world of, of branding and uh, community relations and, and all of that. That's, that's a little more difficult for us, I think, at times. And I think sometimes there's a rub uh, between what's best for the co-branding and or what's best for uh, the humanitarian imperative. So it's a balance. I think it's a balance for us in the different sectors. I can't what, is that, John, what does that look like? I mean, when you say there's a rub, what can you be more specific as to how the, uh, the concern over co-branding might have a deleterious effect on the service being rendered? Well, let's, I, I can give you specific examples, but I don't want to mention names. So if we're in a situation where, where the objective is to provide humanitarian assistance, but we have to work in partnerships with other houses of worship, or we have to work with other for-profit entities, for example. Um, but it's going to be very, very difficult to, to brand all those efforts uh, and slap shields on every, every uh, component of that in real time. Mm -hmm. Then the question mm -hmm. is, is it, it's, it's a matter of how you measure success and, and, and different, different silos measure it differently. I, I mean, for me, yeah. did, we, did we deliver the humanitarian aid and get the job done, even though we had to work uh, in another facility with another house of worship? Um, so if I'm talking to CRD people, who say, yes, you got the job done, but the Army didn't get enough credit. Um, we totally understand that, but sometimes we have to move forward with the humanitarian imperative uh, before we can fly the flag. Yeah, I can um, maybe also kind of share about the initial um, you know, partnership with Guidepost uh, when we were introduced to them. Uh, again, it was on a personal level, someone who used to work at Guidepost who now works at the Salvation Army and then introduced us, you know, even before John became um, the CEO. And 
I found that something that was important in the beginning of establishing um, that relationship was not to assume that we knew each other. Um, because mm-hmm. I think there's like a, a public face of our organizations, like people will assume that they know the Salvation Army or that we know Guideposts and even listening to what John shared about, you know, what Guidepost is and their reach, we, we could have, a, you know, an idea that it's like one magazine, but it's so much more. And so I think one of the big lessons for me in the beginning of that partnership between our two organizations was that um, we had to take time to actually explain ourselves and share ourselves with each other and not just assume because we're very public organizations that we knew um, who each other was. And, um, and I found that that was something that was a continuous learning and there were layers of that. So, you know, even when I felt like, oh, I had shared, you know, what we're all about, it was like almost every step of the way, it was like a kind of an aha moment of, oh, I didn't know that about you or, and so I Hmm. think um, that for me was an important lesson and one not to take for granted or to skip over because um, I think what's happening between the two organizations, even before you kind of put out a public face to um, a, a more general audience, is as important as that kind of, you know, what's presented maybe to the outside world as a result of that partnership. So, you know, kind of thinking about it at those multiple levels um, at, in this particular example of, you know, with others and, and Guidepost was, um, was really important, I think, for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and and to build on that that point, April, I think, and kind of back to Matt's question a little bit, um, you know, we're, I think part of that partnership building is also establishing a level of trust so that when there are bumps within that road, um, that you've already built up that, that um, uh, you've gotten to that why you, you assume best, uh, sort of best intentions, and then figure out the, the problem. So I, I you know, going to you, John, I would, I would think that, you know, having that trust amongst a, uh, an agency, governmental agency, um, if there's a bump in the road, they know you, they know you're doing the right things for the right reasons. Uh, it, it gets out of, of, of bumps that are going to happen in any partnership. And I think we've learned a lot, um, you know, because we've had some bumps and, and some things that where we didn't, I think to your point, April, we need to almost over communicate, uh, and, and really assume very, very little uh, and then keep over communicating because uh, it, it's, it's um, even when you get past that initial trust element, really understanding each other's motivations is, is very helpful, um, not only from a trust perspective, but also from the perspective of how do we fit together? I mean, how do we, are there things we can do together that neither one of us thought about in the first instance? We came in thinking, you know what, we could do this together, but it really turns out we can do you know, X, Y, and Z in addition to what we thought because now we have this understanding. Mm. Yeah. 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 So there's these different elements um, coming through about like trust, listening, communication, uh, like f- familiarity with in, in terms of capacity and, and mission and these kinds of things. Um, and I mean, there's parallels we can draw. Like I don't know, I'm thinking about my 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 marriage, you know. But there's probably other things. There's probably other basic ingredients 
that are necessary <laughs> for the cultivation of a healthy relationship or, or partnership. You guys want to, we can have a, we can have a uh, family session right now. <laughs> I need it. I need it. This is, this is the whole point. I just need free counseling. This is the whole point. <laughs> we got this group here. We're ready to help. <laughs> but are there, are there, and nobody's, nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. So. <laughs> <laughs> but are there basic ingredients that um, besides some of the ones we've, we've already touched on that are, that you would, you would uh, say are necessary for the, um, for, for, successful uh, partnerships? I think the trust factor that John mentioned is huge. So it's, um, the trust has to be there, the relationship has to be there. And then as John sort of touched on, the ability to create on the spot or the ability to, to form um, new partnerships or, or new activities with those existing partnerships, that's really, really key for us emergency management. Because often we have to create on the fly and we have to, to gather the situational awareness and try to put all the pieces together like a puzzle. So when we have good partnerships in all sectors, um, that gives us a little more freedom to create. Uh, and, and, and I would say the mutual outcome of, of, again, back to the humanitarian imperative, the, the mutual outcome of, of did we serve those in need um, is the common um, common element among all the groups. Mm -hmm. And then, then, yeah, there is the co-branding issue. There is the, the you know, of, of, uh, of the credit. And, and I think if the trust is there, we can approach that productively. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, but again, yeah, it, start, it really does start for me with the personal relationships and the trust in those relationships. Mm -hmm. And I like ensemble playing. So, I mean, it also goes down to, um, in my world, we're working more and more with uh, emergency management teams. In other words, you know, if I'm going to deploy, um, I would like to bring these four or five people because uh, we're an ensemble. We've worked together before. Right. And that seems to be more and more uh, productive. And um, there's been a greater emphasis, I think, of that in the last couple of years uh, in deployments. So there's this, there's this guy, um, Alan Moore, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's a, um, he's a magician, which kind of sounds weird. There's still, there's still magicians these days, but um, he's also a comic writer and he's written stuff like uh, that people would actually recognize like V for Vendetta and the Watchmen and uh, some other things too. But there's, there's a short interview um, that he did with one of his creative partners uh, whose name I can't remember right now, but in the interview, they talk about their rules for collaboration. Uh, one of which is uh, there is no I in team, but there's also no you in dictatorship, which I, I like. <laughs> it's kind of clever. And I think, I think for me, it means that each partner ought to recognize the, abs the other's absolute sovereignty in their field of expertise. Um, yes. And in, in the nonprofit world, we sometimes hear talk about uh, competing for market share, you know, with respect to, I don't know, services or populations or whatever. And, you know, sure, at least some of what we do is compete for a piece of that. But even while we uh, can recognize that competition is just kind of, you know, it's just part of the reality that we have to negotiate. Well, when we're talking about partnerships and being partners in mission, what place does competition have in that context? And I think this kind of um, touches on some of the stuff, John, you were talking about. Can there be partnership at the same time that there's competition? Is it a good thing? 
is it a bad thing? How has that worked out for you guys? Sure. I think, I think that's a great point. And, and I, I, my view of it is, and you hear that a lot too. I mean, if we are, na- we are a nonprofit, we, um, you know, are donor funded in many different ways. Um, and so one of the, one of the frequent things you hear is, well, are we going to cannibalize? Are we going to, um, you know, there's, there's these kind of, these kind of concerns. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, my view of it is, is that if we are all putting the why first, everything else is going to fall into place. Um, and so I, uh, you know, and, and listening to John talk, um, sometimes the humanitarian aid has to come before um, figuring out, you know, who's going to get the, the most credit for it. And, and he makes that decision, it sounds like, regularly um, and, and rightfully. And, and, I think, and I think everything else, because when, you, when you're doing good and doing things for the right reasons and the people you're aligned with have that same mission alignment, everything else will work out. Um, just to take it out of this context, but take it, put it into our context for a minute of, of um, you know, our part of what we do is to get people to focus on the positive. Um, and so, you know, sometimes people ask me, well, who are your competitors? Uh, and I'll say Netflix and Amazon and I'll you know, Facebook, anybody who's vying for someone's attention is going to be showing them something that's, that's negative, not positive, not uplifting, not bringing people together as a competitor for, for us. Um, and so the way I really view it is, is I, I really believe in this all boats rise with the tide. And um, if, if particularly if you're finding those, those mission line partners. So uh, I, I really, I guess the, I don't have a great answer for it, except that I don't worry about it. And, and I trust that, that the people I'm working with, um, you know, if we really have a partnership, um, everyone, including the mission, and especially the mission, will benefit. Uh, will benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Well, John, I thought maybe you might have something to say about um, the uh, the relationship with like the Red Cross or something like that, because I think we're often c- competing for market share with those guys. But as I recall, we had pretty good uh, working relationship with those guys. In, in greater New York. And I don't know, maybe this had something to do with the fact that we, at least in part, um, you know, were several, several instances, we, 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 we drafted up, you know, sp- specific agreements like, like an MOU. Can you speak to this question of, of, of competition within, part, within partnership yeah, the, and the drawing on your experience? Yeah, the competition is real. And it's, it's a competition, uh, much like John was saying, for your time, for your audience, your attention, for dollars. Um, the Red Cross is a, a, a well-intended agency and a massive institution that actually has a different mission than we do. Um, so uh, we partner well with those large agencies as best we can. Again, it's going to really come down to the local relationships uh, and, and the national relationships as well. But... Um, the Army, I mean, there's, my job is always sort of, there's always sort of two components to it. One, what's best for the Army? And what's, how do we build capacity for the Army? How do we make sure that the Army is prepared and the, the Army can respond? Um, so we don't report to any other NGO. We, we, we try to collaborate. We try to coordinate um, all of those buzzwords. Uh, the most important is communication. 
it's it, communication isn't there all of it breaks down um, yeah. and, and I think that's true with with all of the agencies so yeah. um, do you have any stories or does anyone have any stories of partnerships that haven't that haven't worked out you, like you don't have to name names if you don't want to I mean it's, it's not as fun but um, you know what kind of what are the, what are the sort of things that uh, you know we we ought to look out for local yeah. local leaders ought to look out for um, when considering uh, entering into um, uh, partnerships. What kind of ha- what are the what kind of hazards are there? What kind of things can go wrong? Hmm. I, I was thinking, um, you know, when we were you were mentioning that um, how the role of discernment comes in, um, <clears throat> particularly thinking about our you know local churches and and core and communities um you know as well as at these kind of larger um national or international levels but really having a discerning spirit about who we partnership with uh, and i think um very quickly you can sense whether a partnership is going to um, be a good one um, and and I think really you know asking the Lord for that sense of discernment so that um, we don't get into partnerships um, that end up not being good um, for for either of us and taking time and energy away uh, from uh, us really focusing on what we what we want to to achieve. And so I think almost deciding who we partner with is as important as who we don't um, partner with mm-hmm. and understanding why we're making those decisions um, and, and doing that with integrity to be able to, you know, say we appreciate and value what you do, but this is probably not the right partnership, um, yeah. you know, for us, I think is an important ability for an organization um, to have at whatever level um, we're, we're working at. Sorry, I like the word discernment. So, so I, mm. I, I do think that's a gift. And, and I'm not sure it can be trained. Um, so it always takes us to, you know, how do we train divisional EDS directors to, um, to ascertain, to, to, to gather situational awareness and make these kinds of decisions on who and who not to partner with. Um, yeah, I think it's both, I think it's both a, a gift uh, as well as a skill. Um, how to do that. And I think it's hard to train that piece. Um, so that's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I'll give a concrete example, because I think, Matt, you were asking for that. Um, this is yeah. not in relation to guideposts, but, you know, recently we've been um, partnering with some different people to um, advertise our products uh, online. And I think in, in that space uh, where you're partner, partnering um, with people who um, have followings, you know, of people on social media, it was very important for us to, um, to discern um, who we would partner with in that space, because then it gets beyond your control. This is not on Salvation Army social media. This is, you know, going out, you know, into the world. And I think um, for me in that space, that was um, kind of doing some behind the scenes work as we would all do like you want to you know follow people if we're you know using social media follow them for a time period and see you know kind of what they represent and who's following them what kind of engagement do they have what's the image that they're presenting on their social media and I think there were people that we needed to not 
partner with in that space. Um, and it wasn't always something we could tangibly say, you know, it's because of this post or that post, but it was more just a sense of this is not going to be a good, a good fit um, for us. And you have to let what seemingly looks as a, like a good opportunity. Sometimes we have to let those go um, because there are bigger things, you know, that are value to us um, from these relationships. Right. And, and that there's a certain level of value that is discerned from the image. Right. So even though it may be at the surface, there's a, there's a, there's a depth that's assumed there that, you know, maybe you, you maybe we're making assumptions, maybe we're not, but you have to use that discernment that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if there are groups that we, or, or types of groups that we shouldn't, or we absolutely shouldn't, shouldn't partner with. Like for example, um, like, Personally speaking, I'd have far less of an issue working with, say, uh, like an explicitly non-Christian group if there are shared values there or missional affinity uh, or, or whatever. But like I'd welcome that before working with a group that's explicitly Christian but are like white nationalists or something like that. You know what I mean? So like, and, and, I, and I think in the Salvation Army, there's sometimes a measure of difficulty in, 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 in that discernment piece and putting aside certain differences as they relate to certain propositions or, or ideological commitments. But then there's seemingly less of a problem in partnering with like a Walmart, which destroys communities and, you know, and yeah. local, mm-hmm. in, and local economies mm-hmm. in a variety of ways. And we don't need to get into that, but I'm wondering if there are kinds of partnerships <laughs> to your way of thinking that end up um, perhaps perverting or corrupting our mission. Like who, how do we, how, who should we, are the restrictions on who we can work with or ought to work with and what is the basis for, uh, for those kinds of decisions? Just to, uh, to affirm what's already been said, the value of discernment I think is so important because we can establish uh, criteria, but um, I, I do think, and also the affirmation of the importance of relationship uh, in all of these matters. I'm, I'm struck every time I read through the gospels as to, how often Jesus says what, uh, we're accustomed to these things, we've read them, but had we heard them for the first time, I think we'd be shocked over and over again by how he aligns himself and then how he chooses not to align himself. And I wonder if um, maybe there's not some wisdom that we can glean from, from those choices that aren't as predictable as, frankly, I think we might think they are. Um, so discernment is key, and I guess I would say case by case um, is... Uh, I guess the, the the method, John. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of examples um, that's talking about. Um, so, for example, yes, we can partner with an evangelical agency uh, that doesn't understand the protocol of emergency management and steps outside of those secular boundaries, which can get us into a lot of trouble actually in the partnership. And then on the other side of the coin, you have groups uh, like the Su Chi Foundation, which is the largest, largest uh, Buddhist emergency response agency in the world, who does some incredible work uh, with temporary schools, with medical assistance, uh, with providing vegetarian meals, which, which we need to offer. So I, I've, I've seen it both ways from, um, from our leadership, uh, some that don't understand the kind of work that we do, who are going to question uh, why are we working with a Buddhist organization? And then in that situation, again, you have to point out that the goal is not, um, the goal is the humanitarian imperative and, and, and maybe perhaps 
uh, for example, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, serving in Indonesia. Uh, where we have to be very conscious of culture. So again, yeah, I think, I, I think the sermon's the key on that. And I think that comes with experience as well. So, so I think there's, there's something to be said for um, our ability to rationalize <laughs> what's best for the outcome. But it does get a lot, it gets, in my field, it gets a little tricky. And a lot of that is, is, is uh, sometimes leadership doesn't understand that the shield can't be the biggest uh, in the partnership. Uh, and sometimes they're not all evangelicals with the same, um, with the same mission. Also, you know, we have a two mission. We have, we have two missions. I mean, we have the evangelical to spread the gospel. And then we have the mission to provide humanitarian assistance without discrimination. So uh, that's a balance. That's a balance in my field on how that works, since most disaster scenes are secular uh, and are controlled by government, and and proselytizing is is prohibited. I think also there's there's no there's no litmus test for partnership. Um, I think mm-hmm. if you go in with any preconceived ideas about okay, they need to check this box, this box, this box, um, you're going to be disappointed um, because that that's. Uh, you know, on paper, somebody could be a great partner, and in practice, they're going to be awful because, again, you haven't met on the essence. Um, you haven't, you haven't, your essence hasn't met their essence yet. And, and so, uh, you know, for, for us, I think we really look at partnerships um, as saying, certainly there's, there's an element that we want that, you know, makes us who we are, and to the extent that that can align, um, but again, kind of to, to John's point, if you can accomplish the mission um, using other other partners who you know may not share every value you have, or or may not share your worldview in a number of different ways, um, I think that's really where we we also grow because um, if you only partner with people who think exactly like you, you're never going to do anything different. Um, and so, partnering is a way to expand our minds, expand what we expose ourselves to um, and, and helps us shape. I'm not afraid of change. I'm not afraid of, of evaluating my perspective on it. Um, and if you only mm. approach it with people of your own perspective, you're going to have be subject to that group think uh, mm. problems. And, and those can infect partners as well as organizations. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I want to try to, cause I, I'm just looking at the time and I want to try to get at least one more question in, um, before we wrap up, um, but I want to try to get at, at this um, word that I sort of arbitrarily <laughs> threw into the, today's topic: uh, creativity. We've sort we've touched mm. on it, but we haven't really kind of dived into it too much. Um, um, but I was wondering if you, if if maybe y'all can help me think about this a little bit. I'm like, I'm aware that creativity is a word that can be overused. Um, you know, it's thrown around a little bit to the point where maybe when you hear it, you know, the eyes kind of roll like, Oh, create everyone's creative. The child artist release the child artist in doing stuff like this. Um, but I think for some of us that maybe, maybe we consider ourselves to be, we do consider ourselves to be creative to some, to some extent. Um, but it, when it comes to creative partnerships or collaborations, um, something interesting. And I think, I think actually Gordon, you were, you were touching on this. Uh, that it might be interesting to consider is um, the idea of creativity in combination with another organization that mm. has a sort of exponential um, 
effect in terms of capacity? Like, like for example, if I have $5 and you have $5, we could just kind of, you know, join up and then, then we have $10 and that's, that's nice. But are there partnerships that, that, that become more than simply the sum of their parts? You know, are there, have there, in your yeah. experience, have there been sort of unanticipated properties that have emerged or unanticipated capacities that have, that have emerged out of uh, those, those partnerships? And if so, what, what does that look like uh, to you? Um, and, and how can we cultivate those, those kinds of creative partnerships? Well, I think with us here in Greater New York, the Rescue Alliance, that group of, um, of organizations that work with homeless folks, including a number of gospel missions and the Salvation Army, uh, our affiliation has been a relatively recent one. But I think because uh, there hasn't been an over-concern about, about brand exposure, but rather there's been some uh, real organic relational connection there's companionship, a sense of companionship, a, can, a sense of even fellowship. And so out of that has come um, fruit that indicates that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I mean, some real rich collaboration that I think more effectively, the numbers are, are larger now year by year when you look at the number of homeless folks that are impacted uh, by the Don't Walk By project in February. Just very quickly with that is, is every Saturday in February, uh, there's a different anchor church that's identified, and a group of, of folks go out, some from faith communities, from churches and other faith communities, others from these agencies, including the Salvation Army. And the idea is that over those four weeks, every homeless person encountered on the street in every sector of Manhattan will have been engaged somehow. Uh, sometimes simply there's an engagement, there's some brief discussion, a handshake, maybe uh, the offering of a, of a packet of some helpful items as they continue their life on the street. In other instances, they'll come back to the anchor church and they'll come back for a very nice meal, a very a lovely time, everybody together sharing in this meal. There are podiatrists there, the medical doctors there, dentists there, there's the opportunity to be connected with rehab services. Um, and, and those numbers have increased. And I think the effectiveness of that and the increase in the numbers of folks being impacted and folks being involved I, I think that has uh, all been an expression of, of immense creativity. And there's not been an over-concern about each agency's um, success or recognition, each agency being duly rec recognized. And I think in the long run, uh, there is recognition that comes because we're not overly self-interested. And, and then secondly, I, I, not much of this has happened yet, but I really do think that there is great potential to sell that kind of model to donors. I think that model that donors will find that much more compelling um, and much more compelling model because it is a much more creative model, I think. And in the long run, I think there may be more dollars that flow as a result of that kind of creative partnering. I, I would agree with that in our field is, is that the corporate world uh, is very interested in how we partner with other agencies. And often, I mean, yes. it came up just recently, of the Walton Foundation saying, uh, yes, we'll fund this, but we want you to partner with the Red Cross, the technology. Mm -hmm. But I think the corporate world is very, very interested in how to maximize and leverage their support uh, using partners. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I think with, with partnerships generally, I mean, they take time, they take energy, they take resource. So mm -hmm. if, if the calculus isn't you know, one plus one equals three, um, then you really shouldn't mm -hmm. do it, 
Um, because if, if we're just getting together to get together to have a, a release that says, okay, we, we've, you know, we're doing this together, um, then we're not really doing it for the right reasons. Um, the, the right reasons are those multiplier effects. So just to, to talk a little bit about our partnership with, with others, um, you know, part of it was, okay, we, could, we can buy several thousand hearts um, and connect those with our, those folks with our audience. Um, but the other opportunity was to then help tell that story. So telling um, the story, reaching uh, 1.3 million people uh, in our magazine, uh, another couple million on the website, uh, through the story of Others Trade for Hope, um, not only served, I hope, to, to um, bring some financial support to the program, um, but also served to bring some, some notoriety to it. But it also gave us content. It also uh, provided content for our magazines, um, things that are important and uplifting, inspiring for our readership. Um, and I think there's going to be, you know, that's kind of step one. I think there's step two is how do we take that and get even more creative? Where can we find, okay, maybe in this instance it was one plus one is three. How do we get to one plus one is four? How do we get to one plus one is five? Mm-hmm. That's really where you see partnerships um, starting to grow. And you go back to that word creativity. The creativity I don't think comes in the first instance where you say, okay, we are, our hearts are aligned let's we're going to figure out every little thing we can do let the magic happen exactly the magic <laughs> let's, do, let's do step one okay now i get it now i see how you work now you see how i work All right, so next time we do something it's going to be more and more successful so i think that's partnership building really just doesn't mean bringing one in it means okay what can we do you know what's step three step four step five and that kind of implies um but just to maybe you know make it more visible that in a partnership, we're taking the time to pause and reflect together on mm. what we've learned and how we can continue to grow together. And I think, you know, so often maybe our partnerships are so utilitarian that it's just about, you know, doing um, and providing, you know, that relief or that service. Or, um, but if if we really want to see that these partnerships. Um, are worth the investment and, you know, beyond kind of um, just a one-off, then I think we have to build in that process to pause and reflect and actually meet, you know, face-to-face if possible and sit and just say, you know, what has this meant to us? And then kind of, you know, together thinking through, you know, what, what does the next step, you know, that we never imagined look like together? And unless there's space, in my experience, that does not happen. Um, And people, we're all busy, you know, and things just keep rolling. And then we'll look back, you know, five, 10 years and wonder, like, what, what happened? Because we never kind of stopped to really, you know, say, what was the value of this at kind of smaller touch points uh, along a journey together? Uh, yeah, and I also think that that when you have successful partnerships, it's much easier to repeat them, um, especially in our field. So, yeah. uh, again, the trust is there uh, as well, even more so. Uh, so, for example, this weekend, uh, there's a group called Outreach Project in Silicon Valley. Um, their volunteer base will package 80,000 meals, high-protein MREs. Um, UPS, they will they will package those eighty thousand in one day, 
uh, UPS, another partner, will then fly those to Saipan for us. Um, and it's a win-win for all, all three. Uh, and, and all three are absolutely ecstatic to have having played one part in, 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 um, in sort of the mission of the project, which is, which is to get those high-protein meals uh, on the ground in Saipan. So we, in our field, we have we have endless number of examples hmm. of how those partnerships work. Yeah, and that echoes something that I don't know who said it. Kind of when we just began was, you know, we can't we can't do we can't do it alone. Right. So, yeah. You know, and working that's... from strengths that you have, and not trying to be all things. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was I was actually I liked something you were saying, April, about kind of taking. Uh, the time to reflect on, you know, kind of the things that have happened and what are the next steps is there's a way of sort of translating a innovation model into kind of more just kind of regular terms like, Hey, let's hang out. (laughs) Let's have fellowship Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about the prototype and blah, blah, blah (laughs) and all that stuff. But yeah, I I don't know. So is there anything that maybe we, um, we glossed over too quickly uh, earlier or something that we didn't, talk about yet that you you guys want like want to get to uh, you um one of the things that you had in in the notes you circulated uh, was around like a time to formalize partnerships and i wonder you know particularly for our our core and local local churches and communities um maybe we could do a quick round of reflection on that because i think um you know, sometimes the formalization can, if it comes too soon, um, in my experience, can make something feel like it's a transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of understanding, um, you know, what level of formalization, and I know we all have, you know, things within our organization that are required, but, um, you know, kind of having an understanding of what's needed at what point so that we don't over-formalize something that can be done you know, um, in a different way that makes it feel more organic. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know, just, I'm interested in some thoughts, you know, I, around I think that. it's a, it's a, it's a perfect way to kill a first date is to show up with a suit and a flower. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Hmm. That's my, that's my comment. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Or even a ring, you know, that, that's okay. <laughs> there you go. That's a better example. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's over, over formalization, you know, hasty formalization. <laughs> We have, we have a heavy emphasis on memorandums of understanding, which which aren't contracts. They're just, we'll play nice to each other and we'll talk to each other. Yeah. Often we form those on a national level. Uh, but unless you have those personal relationships on the local level, the regional level, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big advocate of MOUs. I, I think the concept is good, but, but there's no way... Um, I can say to an agency, you have to work with me because, yeah. again, it, it depends on the personal relationship. Yeah, like, right. I remember a, a lot of the a lot of thought. Sometimes those things are overthought and overwrought, and 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 in the end, the details are less important than the um, sort of the uh, the performative function of it, right? Which is to sort of just bind these um, two entities or agencies uh, together, you know. I would, to, to borrow a word from my, my old life as a lawyer, um, I would say uh, detrimental reliance. Um, so the moment that you as a, as a group or you as a, as a organization 
are about to do something that if they don't perform that act is going to harm you in some way. So for example, um, you know, if you're out there making promises and trying to contextualize this, I'll make this up, John, you can feel free to, to say yeah. it. But, uh, if you're making, um, if you're, to a third party, you're saying, yeah, we'll be able to deliver this and we're relying on that third party to, to deliver on what they said, um, you know, I really, at that point, I would want something formalized, you know, before, right before you get to that point. Um, because uh, I, I just think that's, and not even that it's something that's enforceable legally, but more so that formalizing that also sets expectations. Uh, and to make sure, one of April's points was making sure that we know who each other are and what our expectations are. So it's also an act of goal setting. It's an act of saying, okay, this is what our roles and responsibilities are going to be. Uh, and so I think at that stage, if you're, if you're at the stage of you're going to have roles and responsibilities and you're going to execute on this time frame, th that's a, a really great time to, to be formalized. Yeah, we uh, rarely do we go into contractual agreements. Uh, I mean, occasionally with government agencies, of course, in emergency management, you may do that. And then, as you say, that's a contract with, with – um, with uh, definite outcomes and expectations. Uh, the MOUs um, are very cordial on uh, we'll play nice, but, but again, it doesn't always, it doesn't always translate to the local level. Yeah. But the principle, and, 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 yeah, the principle, I think for me, from what John has said, even if you think at a very local level of a core partnering, you know, with a local business, um, if there's in your mind, we need to have these conversations, whether they become formal as a contract, but you know, what are our responsibilities? What are we expecting from each other? Um, that at least um, we have that conversation and then kind of the level of formality goes from there that's needed in whatever context. Yeah, in our field, there are, there are so many variables. Every disaster is different. The situation is different. Uh, the players are different. Uh, but again, I, I liked I, I liked what April was saying about discernment and the ability to to create on the fly, as Matt was saying as well. I, I, I think we keep going back to say, how do we train emergency managers? How do we train EDS personnel yeah. to be able to think that way? To be able to think that way? To be able to discern that way? And then form the success is their ability to form those partnerships on the ground very very quickly. Yeah, and there's a cer certain measure of failure that has to be sort of acceptable as a part of that training. At least that was my experience, hmm. uh, at least in the EDS uh, world, was that failure is a great teacher. So anyway, yeah, um, any final final thoughts before we wrap up here? I, I would just like to say that you know I, I'm greatly appreciative uh, of, of all the work that, that you all do, um, and I've uh, been thankful to April and... Uh, I think uh, you know. I look forward to, to more partnerships uh, with the Salvation Army. So, thank you very much for having me today. Awesome! Thanks for being here. Thanks to yeah. each of you for for being here for yeah, taking thank the time, you. sharing sharing your uh, your experiences and your wisdom and all that stuff. I I appreciate it. Um, so, I just want to encourage everyone who is uh, watching or listening now or later. Um, we we create small group discussion guides these conversations so uh, y'all can uh, carry these conversations forward in a local context you can find those by going to uh, saconnects.org 
uh, slash on dash point dash webinars. And you can check those out there. And um, yeah, that's all I've got. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. Enjoy Thank the you. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. All right. Talk again soon. Bye. Yeah.